The Adam Crowley Show. Uh, we got to earn tomorrow. That's French. <laughs> That's yeah. your French. Yes. We, me, French. me, 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 woo, poo, poo. Very good French. I agree. That was excellent. So good. I could do right cook goodies. The flyer is going to win. We are going to earn tomorrow. Adam Crowley. It's not even funny. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Everybody, Herrick Carey here, and welcome to another episode of the Adam Crowley Show. We're at the beautiful North Park Lounge today in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, for our lovely NL Central Tour. Only problem is, Adam went to the wrong North Park Lounge. Seriously, folks, you couldn't make this stuff up. Anyway, come on out, sign up for our contest. It's a beautiful division, the NL Central. You got the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers, some other teams in there as well. It'd be a lovely time. Hey, how about this Jake Getzel guy? They're called him Getzelvania. I guess that's a clever play on Bram Stoker's classic Dracula for the hometown Transylvania. I don't know what I just said there, but Stan Saverin, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports, sat down with Papa Getzel today. Let's hear what Mike Getzel had to say. It's our pleasure to welcome in once again, as we did a year ago, his dad, Mike Getzel, of course, the associate hockey coach at the University of Minnesota. Coach, thanks for joining us again. Good to talk nope. to you. Yeah, it's good to be on with you guys again. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, first of all, Mike, where did you watch the game? You know, my wife and I and my middle son, we went over to Buffalo Wild Wings next door to our place and. Uh, Figured, you know what, it was a beautiful day. We didn't want to sit in the house yesterday, so we went over to the sports bar, and, uh, you know, they had all kinds of events on, but we uh, got the Penguins game on, and, you know, it was a good place and had some family and friends join us, so it was a nice day. Uh, I guess so. It was an even nicer day in Philadelphia. I'm curious, do the, do the people at the, the local uh, Wild Wings there, um, Buffalo Wild Wings, do they know you and do they know who you are and uh, that your son plays for the Penguins? Well, it was, you know, there was a decent crowd in there yesterday. Obviously, a lot of people were watching the Twins and playing baseball and stuff during the afternoon. But I think, uh, you know, pretty many people know when you start flipping the channels on, you have a lot of screens on the Penguins game. And, you know, we try to, we try to play low key, but uh, a couple times when the goals were going in, you look around, there was some hooting and hollering going on. So you quickly realize that, you know, people knew what was going on. And then, uh, you know, they knew us. And we had a lot of people come up to us after the game and just thought it was a neat moment to be able to watch that and be in the bar with us at that time. So it was fun uh i i would imagine um i I can't even imagine what it's like for you uh, as a dad and and your wife uh brother i remember of course when jake made his debut here was uh pretty spectacular pretty amazing um does he ever cease to amaze you well you know what i I think the more you start seeing some of the stuff it's incredible i you know you pick up the twitter this morning and you start you know realizing these tied this record or set this record or, you know, this this feat hasn't been accomplished since 1919. I mean, it just, it really kind of shocks you and amazes you. And, and, and certainly we try to stay as grounded as possible and keep Jake in the moment. And, you know, I think he's done a good job of that too. But it just, it, it's been remarkable, like to say the least, over what happened the last 16, 17 months since he's been called up by the Penguins. And, you know, it seems to be improbable. But like I'm talking to a good friend of our family today and, you know, you go way back to squirts and peewees and bantams. I mean, Jake had, 
you know, a lot of success and, you know, very few losses as a youth player in hockey. And he's won championships and he's always been, a, you know, kind of a big moment type of player and thrived in those moments. The issue's always been, you know, he's not big enough. He's not strong enough. He's not this. He's not that. But you know what? He shows up and he wins. And that's, you know, ultimately, I think what you're measured by at this point, too. It's a great point, Mike. Uh, again, whatever level... Uh, at which he's played when there's been a big game, a championship game, or, you know, whatever it happened to be, high school, college, whatever it was. I mean, has he always had a penchant for scoring that big goal or playing his best the more importance the game carried? There's no question. I mean, when they won the state Bantam championship when he's 14, 15 years old, you know, the team wins 2-1, to one, and Jake scores the winning goal. Uh, you know, he scored the only goal in UNO. His college team was in the throws before they lost to Providence at the Boston Garden. I mean, he just had a a history of, uh, you know, not getting overwhelmed by the situation. And, uh, you know, it certainly would have been easy for Jake last year to play with the kind of players he did uh, to get overwhelmed and defer to their games. But, uh, you know what, he just and he gets himself grounded and gets his feet moving. And, you know, he does what you want to do as a hockey player. I mean, I think the coach says it best. I mean, he, he knows when the stakes are highest and it's, it's, the moment's not too big for him. And, you know, he wants to be a contributor. I mean, he basically, to me, on Friday night after the game, guaranteed this would be over in six on a text and uh you know i sent him a text back last night he's a man of his word <laughs> i wish you'd have told me uh, <laughs> i would have eaten uh, you know much uh, much fewer roll aids uh mike gensel <laughs> jake gensel's dad is our guest here on Savern on sports how often do you communicate with him mike whether it, i know your schedule's busy when you're coaching and all that kind of stuff and i, I asked the question because um was jake at all disappointed with his regular season performance? Um, you know what? Uh, Jake doesn't outwardly say. Uh, I think, you know, when he publicly came out at the one point and said, uh, you know, in an interview late in the season that, you know, he was disappointed in some of his numbers, I mean, that was probably the only time that he would really either privately or publicly stated it. I mean, I don't think we needed to get into him or get after him in any way because I think he would have, you know, maybe withdrawn a little bit that way because he don't like to get, you know, challenged or, you know, he's tough enough having to read about it than, you know, having your parents talk to you about it. But, you know, um, you know, I was out there at a time when, when it was tough and people were on him, and I think I went on the back half of the dad trip this year and, Jake played nine minutes one day in St. Louis and hardly touched the ace. And, you know, I know he had a big meeting with the coach. And the next night he gets, you know, I mean, it was shocking because he's on the fourth line. He's not on the second power play. And the game starts, and I'm sitting next to my wife. And I go, look at this. I mean, three shifts into the game, he's on the third line. And five shifts into the game, he's deflecting the puck in against Ottawa for a power play goal. And so, you know, Mike Sullivan has a way of, uh, you know, motivating players and challenging players and moving players up and down the lineup. And, you know, that's what's happened with Jake. And he just, he rolls with it and he challenges himself in a good way. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's more focused and dedicated to what he's trying to do. And um, he understands that. I don't think we have to remind him. And if I ever get out of line, I know one or two of my sons will quickly remind him that daddy's in the NHL and it is the best league in the world. <laughs> and, you know, you're not coaching him now, so let him be and, you know, they understand how to, you know, keep me in my place at times, too. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I found interesting about yesterday's game, after the game, Mike Sullivan said, our guys don't panic. They don't get rattled. Uh, and that was clearly evident yesterday. The Flyers started out quickly, but Sid evens the game. Then they fall behind 4-2, to two, and Patrick Hornquist, who had made a bad mistake earlier, you know, compensates by scoring a goal. Uh, and I'm, the, the same narrative would seem to go with Jake. Uh, you know, he had such a great playoff last year. Maybe the regular season didn't go the way it was, but um, he, individually, but as part of this team, 
they just kind of keep playing. They just go about their business. Well, you know what? You look at what's happening, and I just go back to the 16 or 17 months it takes been a part of the organization. I mean, last year, uh, you know, against Washington in game four, Crosby doesn't play. Uh, after they lost a tough overtime game in game three to go ahead would have been three nothing at the time. The series is in the balance. Now your best player is hurt. They rallied up for a nice win and took a 3-1 lead into Washington. I mean, Benino hurts, gets hurt in the playoffs against Nashville and doesn't play the last four or five games. And, you know, Matt, or, uh, Matt Collins steps up. I mean, there's just been a lot of that. I mean, it could have been easy yesterday to go in there and been mentally fragile with Malkin not being in the lineup. But, you know, you get Hornquist back and, you know, the team – you put Carter Rowney in, and guys just know, here's my job. i got to do my job, and here's the expectations for us to win. And um, I think the coaching staff does a good job of making sure that they set that mandate. And There's no excuses, and you just move on and next man up. Yeah, and of course they played so much without Haglund, and they, they uh, you know killed the penalties, especially the four-on-three without him. Arguably, he and Shan, uh, their best penalty killers, um, they, they are resilient. Uh, as you look at Jake's game, um, Outside of the goal scoring and the fact that he's played, you know, put him back up there with Sid, uh, how has his game improved, Mike, from a coach's perspective uh, from his rookie year to where he's at now? Well, I think what he's, he's learning, you know, the day-to-day routine of an NHL player. I think last year when you get called up, you're running on emotion a lot. Um, there's always the unknown and the next hurdle. Um, I think this year there's a little bit more of the experience, that, you know, what's ahead, what's known, uh, the grind of 82 games, um, you know, the, the ups and downs through the course of the season. I mean, it adds up real fast. You can go out to, as a parent and watch you know, like your son score two goals uh, in a game and the next night score another goal and think, geez, he's hot. And then all of a sudden you can read, you know, three weeks later he hasn't scored nine or ten. I mean, it, it can turn on you in a real hurry, and that's the mental part of it that I think anybody learns with, you know, he had a short summer last year, as all those players do when you go as far as they did. And I still think at 23, he's got a lot of work to do on his body so he can get into those tougher areas because he, he is determined to, to get to the stronger, tougher areas to make plays. And I think as he gets a little bit older, a little stronger, he'll be even better in those areas. And I, as a coach, would always remind him that uh, he can certainly become a better defensive player. I think, you know, that's an area in, in your own end of the rink that you have to take care of in your wall play and your board battling you know, getting the puck out at times. I mean, those areas he can get better at. But he's improving because I think his experience has has allowed his his brain to slow down a little bit more and and just uh, understand where situations are at the rink and how to react to certain things that go on with the day-to-day routine of being an NHL player. Well, one thing that's definitely improved, I noticed yesterday that you can actually uh, notice his playoff beard. You can actually see it now. So he's uh, back in the day, Sid couldn't grow one. None of them could. So um, he's, he's made a giant stride there. Mike, I really appreciate the time. Congratulations to you and your family. Um, it's just a, a great day for Jake, but also for the people who supported him all these years. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to the Penguins fans today. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, what? hopefully we can do well here as we move forward. But it's a heck of a sports town. And we're so privileged that uh, Jake's part of a, an unbelievable organization. So it's great that uh, they get the support they do. So thank you. Oh, you, Well, the last time you appeared, they won a cup. So we'll make this an annual tradition. That'd be great. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Thanks very okay, much. thank you. Okay. Yeah, have a great day. You too. That is Mike Gensel, Jake Gensel's dad, uh, associate head coach at the University of Minnesota. Hi! Special thanks for Mike Gensel for joining Stan Saverin earlier today. Coming up next on the program, we'll have a spirited debate on the merits of using a DH in baseball. 
You don't want to miss this one, folks. Stay tuned. ESPN Pittsburgh. If you have Parkinson's disease, you are urgently needed for clinical trials. The Michael J. Fox Foundation will get you started. Get your Parkinson's trial participant pack at michaeljfox.org slash participant pack. It's free and available right now. Yo, man, so they're seriously still not there yet? Nope, there is no no sign of them whatsoever. You, they're no. not even pulling in? You can't no. even see outside they're not even pulling in? Nope, nope, nope. I've been sitting me? here alone. Sitting here alone. It's like, do they even care? I don't know. It's frustrating, Alex. It's frustrating! Welcome back to the show, everybody. Unfortunately, still no sign of Adam. That's okay, though. I've done this for over 500 years, what seems like. It's Monday. There's no baseball games out today. So I honestly have no idea what I'm doing here. But anyway, I might as well share a couple interesting facts that came across my desk this weekend. Number one. The Titanic was the first ship to use the SOS signal. You know, I haven't seen something go down that fast since Martha Washington. Bob Dylan's original name was actually George Zimmerman. What? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's Robert Zimmerman. Sorry to George. I'm sure you're a lovely guy. Hey, how about this one? The most venomous jellyfish in the world is named the Irukanji. And it's no smaller than your fingernail. That's why I don't go into the ocean, Alex. That because I'm deadly allergic to salt. I'm like a snail. Hey, Alex, question for you. Yes, Harry. How come you don't think there's any peanut butter fish? Um, is it because we, well, there is jellyfish. Dang it. I don't know. Outstanding point by know. you. There are, in fact, jellyfish in the world. Hey. If you were to eat a peanut butter fish, would you rather it be crunchy or creamy? Oh, I'm going crunchy. Crunchy? Crunchy, man. You gotta okay. go crunchy. Great choice. Hey, Harry, I got a question for you real quick. Well, first of all, let me stop you right there, Alex. I'm the one doing the interview here. You may not ask me a question, okay, and I'll transition from that into another question for you. Go ahead. Do they have peanut butter fish at the North Park Lab? Uh, no, but they do have really good food here, so if anyone wants to come down, you definitely should. What's got... your favorite thing on the menu? I really like the wings here. The, like wings, the wings, huh? Yeah, the wings are really, really meaty here. Are you a ranch or a blue cheese guy? Uh, I'm gonna go, you know what, spin zone, neither. Okay, well let me ask you this then. If you had to fill a hot tub up and bathe in it for 24 hours... With either ranch or blue cheese, what would you choose? Are you trying to find something to do tonight? Because if that's the case... Just answer ranch. the question. It's a very simple one. Ranch, ranch or blue cheese in your hot tub? I'll go ranch. Blue cheese is a little stinky. Blue cheese is gonna... It's gonna last on you for a couple days. Hey, great call. I would have gone the same way. Hey, what's going on at the North Park Lounge today? The NL Central Tour, right? Yes, we are doing a giveaway to Milwaukee today. All Milwaukee? Is... The yes. Windy City, eh? 
Not it's lovely this time of year. Yes. So we have uh, full expenses paid trip to Milwaukee. We have a pad set up. All you have to do is just put in your, your info, and you're all signed up and ready to go. And Alex, do you have to be there to win? Uh, I believe so. Well, you better get your butts out to Cranberry then, folks. You don't want to miss that trip to lovely Milwaukee, USA. One of our favorite cities. Why is that? I honestly don't know. I've never been to any city other than Chicago and now Pittsburgh. You didn't even travel with the Cubs? Come on now. No, they just projected my voice from back in Chicago. They were afraid that I was so fragile that if they moved me anywhere, I would just shatter into millions of pieces. Okay, that's a fair argument. Do you think Adam is going to come by anytime soon? Because I'm uh, kind of getting a little tired here. I am looking for his vehicle. I am not seeing it anywhere. I don't know. I'm honestly a little terrified. Well, hey, let's just head over to break and hope to God that he's back because we're bobbing out here, buddy. Yeah, yeah, we are. We, hey. we don't have the charisma that Adam does to carry to the show. You speak for yourself. ESPN Pittsburgh. State Farm, Kathy here. Hey, it's Mike. My team just pulled off the biggest upset in the history of forever. Nice, Mike. Yeah, and some fans are getting crazy. They even flipped over a car. Whoa. Turns out it's my car, though. Oh. But I don't want to be upset right now. I want to know State Farm's going to take care of this, right? We got you covered, Mike. Enjoy yourself. Yes! Woo! Thank you! Woo! Go with the one that's here to help life go right. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. You ever been to Milwaukee? No, I actually have not. I've been to uh, I've been to Green Bay, but not Milwaukee. Oh, who cares about Green Bay, Alex? It's not part of the NL Central tour. Well, you know what? You don't want to go to St. Louis. That's all I'll say. Uh, why is that? Uh, reasons. Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel scored 13 points each in the six-game series, but Radko Gudis was the Penguins' first star. Yesterday, that guy led directly to multiple Penguins goals. He also tried to maim Sean Couturier. On behalf of Penguins fans everywhere, we thank you. You found the Adam Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. We are at the North Park Lounge in Cranberry. I was at a different North Park Lounge. They're all fabulous Places to go eat and drink and be merry and have fun, but I was at the wrong one. Good the reason job, that we're here, that was not good by me, is to give away a great trip for two to Milwaukee to watch the Pirates lose, <coughs> pardon me, play the Brewers. And it is presented by Budweiser, the official beer of Major League Baseball. The winner and a guest will receive a trip to Milwaukee to watch the Pirates Play the Brewers, and you'll receive hotel accommodations for two nights, which means you're going to get it on. <laughs> At least I would. Hey, two years ago, the Pirates were, Penguins were down and out of the playoff picture with Mike Johnston behind the bench. The Pirates as well were out of the playoff picture. They weren't scoring. They qualified for the playoffs in the final day of the regular season the year prior. They looked done. They were washed up. They were finished. Enter Mike Sullivan. He turned the team around. Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they picked it up, and the rest was history in 2016. Battled from the outside, made their playoffs. They found themselves as world champs. They were down 3-2 in the conference final to Tampa. I was driving in to do the Penguins report, and I thought, they're done again. We're never going to see Crosby and Malkin win the cup. But they were resilient. 
They won in Game 6. Then Brian Rust did Brian Rust things in Game 7. Last year was incredible. Crystal Chang didn't play a playoff game uh, for a while or at all. Carl Hagelin was out for a while. Pardon me. Sidney Crosby got concussed in round two. Patrick Hornquist missed most of the conference final. And the Penguins had to go to game seven against both Washington and Ottawa. But they found a way. They were outplayed in games one through four of the Stanley Cup final. But they found a way because they're resilient. Fast forward to now. Patrick Hornquist missed time. Evgeny Malkin did not play in game number six. Carl Hagelin was lost in game number six after a cheap shot by Claude Giroux. Penguins still managed to score eight goals. They won the series. They're moving on. This team's not perfect, but neither was last year's. They gave up one million shots against Columbus in the first period in games one and two. They got bitch slapped by Washington in games five and six. They couldn't solve the mediocre Senators until double overtime of game seven. Two years ago, they shot the puck over the glass a hundred times in game six against Washington. There have been mistakes. There have been turnovers. Chris Letang's Game 5 should probably be burnt and buried. Matt Murray was junk for most of Game 6. Chad Ruedel and Jamie Alexiak didn't know whether to cry or whine their watches on the first goal. These pens are flawed, but so too have been the last two cup champs. They've got something in common. Resilience. They're like freaking cockroaches. Philly tried to microwave them, step on them, spray them. Didn't matter. The Penguins moved on. They were down 4-2 to two in a game without Malkin and later without Hagelin. They didn't panic. They didn't freak out. They just played because they've been there before. When you win championships, you have to overcome mistakes, and you have to overcome injuries and attrition. The Penguins did that because that's what they always seem to do. How about Jake Gensel? Welcome to Gensylvania. He has 19 goals in 31 postseason games. That's 34 points as well. The kid is freaking Wayne Gretzky Lemieux Jr. Penguins don't win the cup last year without this dude. Tim Benz wrote a column before the playoffs saying the Penguins need him. Well, they got him. Brian Rust gets all kinds of love for being the big game player, Mr. Elimination Game. That's great. He is. But Jake Gensel is taking that moniker to another level. He put the Flyers to bed with four straight goals. The Crosby-Gensel line wasn't as good this year as it was last year or in the playoffs a year ago. But now that the postseason is back, so is big game Jake. Last year, he led the playoffs in goals. He led the playoffs in game winners. This year, he leads in goals again and is tied for Crosby with the league leading points. Holy hell, Jake Gensel. Someone should tell this kid he should not be doing this. He's just a guy. He's my size. He's my height. I could probably beat him up. But he's the best player in hockey right now. At least today he is. Hornquist played a big role last night. Big dividends on that top line, but... If Gensel and Crosby are playing like this, they can carry this team. The hope is Malkin and Haglin can come back. Both players are huge parts. Malkin is Malkin. Hags has such a burst at this time of the year. But Jake and Sid are lapping the field and scoring again. They should be able to hold the fort down for at least a bit until those guys come back healthy, assuming they can. If not, that's a problem. But as I've said time and time again, I still can't count these Penguins out. Going to hear from Jason Mackey coming up. In a few minutes here on the Crowley Show, clock stayed the same. I am all screwed up. So Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, in a few moments here on the Crowley Show. Hey, this success in Philadelphia should not be taken for granted. The Penguins never used to win in Philadelphia. The Penguins won both regular season games by a combined score of 10-3. to And in three postseason games, it was 18-6. to 
Penguins are a bad road team this year. They had 17 regular season wins on the road. That's worst among all playoff teams. They had trouble winning everywhere other than Philadelphia. But they were 5-0 there. Savor it. Tell your old Penguins fans buddies. They might not believe you. The hope is that the comfort on the road in Philadelphia can help the Penguins on the road as they continue forward in the playoffs, and I think that it'll help. Penguins might have to start on the road in round two. It could be Penn's Caps, which would start in Washington. Penguins exactly haven't had a tough time there, though, either. And they swept Columbus on the road and at home this year. So I think the Penguins' road woes are behind them. I think they can take this Philly momentum and use it as they move forward in the playoffs. Out of 221 qualifying players in the 2018 playoffs, this gets me hard. Claude Giroux ranks 221st in plus-minus. Can I say that? You just did. Nailed it. Over the last few weeks, fans have been saying that Giroux's picture should have been on a milk carton. I disagree. I noticed him a bunch, like in Game 1, when Evgeny Malkin walked past him en route to a spectacular backhand goal. And in Game 3, Sidney Crosby won the faceoff, and Giroux lost Brian Dumoulin in the defensive zone. It was behind Elliott just five seconds after the Penguins had scored their third goal of the game. Then, in Game 4, Crosby walked out from behind the net and dunked the puck past the Flyers' confused netminder. Claude Giroux stood and watched. When you're minus 10, you've earned it. Claude the Fraud tallied just three points in the series. He had two penalty minutes. He was awful. In 2012, he was the best player in the now infamous first-round series that saw him register 14 points in six games. But again, I think a national TV audience just saw Radko Gudis pass the baton to Giroux as the NHL's worst player. Hashtag not a homer, hashtag flyers, hashtag pets. Giroux's performance in 2018 was so bad that it's allowed me to get over the 2012 series. I never thought that was possible. Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette joins us now. Mac Daddy, how are you today? I'm doing great, Crowley. How are you? I'm good, man. Sorry about having to move you around. I'm an idiot. Yeah, so you went to the wrong place? That happened, yeah. I drove to the wrong clubhouse. Uh, we are here now, but it was an extra 40 minutes of driving, of which I did not think we'd be able to get here because I was running out of gas the whole time. <laughs> so you went to the wrong place? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Just checking. Okay. So basically, I'm the minus 10 of radio show host right now. Yeah, I mean, you were the Radko Gudis of, of radio. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take that, Mackie. Thank you. Appreciate that. At least at least I'm a pro, okay? At least I'm in the category. Uh, Jason Mackie from the Post-Gazette joining us on the show. Jason, the Penguins didn't play their best yesterday, obviously, but they were still able to come out on top. I think that says something about a team that's trying to play for a championship. You're not always going to have your best. Yeah, and I think it says something about how comfortable they are when things don't go well. Um, you know, I actually had a conversation with Jim Rutherford earlier this day, earlier today, about um, teams that are comfortable and players that are comfortable losing, that they know how to lose well. Um, and I think there's some truth to that, and that, you know, they lose one game, they understand that the playoffs are long, and they just regather themselves, and there's no panic and whatever. And uh, Like you were saying, Adam, even though they didn't have their best game in game six, you know, Matt Murray's a little bit off. There's some, like, violent momentum swings. There's just never any sort of uh, panic or getting down or, or worrying about anything. And I, I'm not sure you could say the same thing about the Flyers. They aren't that sort of resilient. And um, there's a reason why they really haven't been deep in the playoffs 
with this current group there and why the Penguins have. So uh, it's very impressive to me what they were able to do yesterday. Jason, Jake Gensel is a monster, and I don't know where it comes from. The guy's my size, uh, probably a little bit more muscle there, but he's my size, and now he's one of the most prolific goal scorers in the history of the National Hockey League playoffs. I think he's fifth all-time in playoff goals per game. Where's that come from? You know what, man? Like, I, I left the arena last night thinking that same thing. Like, where is this in the regular season? Not that it matters in the regular season. Like, obviously, you would rather have the guy perform in the playoffs. But, my goodness, he looks like a different player. And I don't think Gensel is the type that's, like, uninterested in the regular season. I'm not saying that, but he just goes to a completely different level in the playoffs. And the thing with those few guys like that, to be fair, Matt Murray has been markedly different and you know even Sidney Crosby I feel like in that series was just so so good um and the Penguins just have a lot of those performers but as far as Gensel man I you know I, I don't know if I could put my finger on any one thing I mean one it helped that Crosby was playing so well two he's looking to shoot more three he has been due to have some of those pucks go in the back of the net but you know I guess the last thing would just be his focus this time of year, like he just feels comfortable in this situation. Whereas somebody like, you know, Radko Gudis, clearly, I think that the moment was a little too big for him. It's not right. that way at all for Gensel. Well, Radko Gudis even has problems in practice, Jason. So a playoff game is going to be an issue, right? Oh boy, he he really had an impact on this series, right? We can't oh my sit here God. and say that Radko Gudis didn't impact the series and. It wasn't because he, like, cheap shot at a penguin. I mean, uh, you would you would swear he was on their payroll. As it relates to <laughs> Jake Gensel, I thought Sidney Crosby said it best when he talked about his play away from the puck and how he was strong on pucks and he was doing things defensively. Up until the third period, uh, Gensel hadn't uh, broken out in that game, yet I thought all along he was playing very well. Yeah, and he's really good playing around the net and in corners and stuff. I mean, I know you joke that he's, like, only a little bit bigger than you, but you shouldn't. I mean, you guys are almost the same size. Um, obviously, he's in a lot better shape than you are, but, Whoa. you know, stature-wise, it's not much different. And and Mike Sullivan loves to use the, the term, he's a brave kid, and you know, we sort of, I don't want to say laugh about it, but, you know, you know what's coming when he's talking about Gensel, but he's right. That's exactly what Gensel is. He plays a lot bigger than his size. He is a brave kid. He's not afraid to go to those tough areas. Um, and in the same vein, he's good at defending. He's smart enough to do it. He's not afraid of a, a physical thing in the corner, if, if you want to look at that brand of defending. He's athletic enough. Um, so, yeah, I, the all-around game that Gensel has is quite impressive. I thought the big turning point in that game, I mean, there were multiple turning points. Stan talked about it on his show, but I thought, to me, the number one turning point was when Sidney Crosby put the puck in the back of the net, and I realized so much happened thereafter, but again, it was Crosby. It was after the Flyers had such a great start. Uh, the Penguins weren't winning any puck battles. They were having a lot of trouble in the beginning portion of that game, and all of a sudden, here comes the Grinch to steal Christmas all over again. <laughs> And, oh, man, is it wonderful to see how he is received there. It really is. It, it was it was my first time covering a playoff series there with Sid. I wasn't on the beat back in 2012. And just to see these tortured, tortured souls and, and how they're yelling at Crosby. And he just continually, 
uh, gets the best of them. But I agree with Stan. I think that was a huge turning point. I guess one of my counter arguments would be um, Phil Kessel's steal of uh, Ivan Provorov early in the third period feeds Gensel for a goal. Um, you know that really felt like being in the building. Felt like momentum kind of swung that sure. way. Uh, you know Hornquist's goal. They're they're having Casey DeSmith get loose and then tic tac toe and he gets one. So you know I can't disagree with it, but. I also agree with you guys in saying that there were just so many different swings to this game and chapters to it. And um, in my opinion, it was easily the best game of the series. I don't think that's a high bar to clear, but it was a lot of fun looking back on it. It was one of the the wilder games I know I've ever seen. The thing that's been in vogue the last couple of days, and Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette joins us here on the Crowley Show, is to criticize Chris Letang and. Up until Game 5, I thought he had a very good series, including in Game 4, I thought playing 28 minutes of basically flawless hockey. I thought he was very good in Game Number 6 until the penalties started to happen, but I'm okay with that. It's it's not like I want it to happen, but we know who Chris Letang is at this point. I personally believe he adds so much more into the positive columns than he does the negative ones. Yeah, I agree with you, Adam, and that's one of the more... Uh reasonable assessments of his game that I've heard. Um, I don't understand the people that, you know, love to bag on the guy. Um, he's going to make some mistakes. You know, he's a quarterback who's going to throw some interceptions. You just have to live with them. Um, the, the flip side would be, you know, having somebody like this, and this isn't to pick on poor Chad Ruedel, but somebody like Chad Ruedel who, you know, has like zero creativity to his game. Now, I understand why. Chad Ruedel has zero creativity to his game because he's not blessed with the, you know, innate ability that Latang has. But um, you just have to live with the stuff. You know, he's yeah. an emotional player. He plays best when he's on the edge and kind of doing crap like he did with Couturier. And you know, I thought that was a penalty. I'm not sitting here defending Chris Latang. Obviously, nothing was called. But you know, sometimes he goes over the line. But I would rather have him playing 28, 29 minutes a night. Him towing the line of legality, him sometimes flying off the handle, him taking a few chances. Like I don't know how sustainable that style is, but if I'm coaching the Pittsburgh Penguins right now in 2017-2018, that's the way that I get the best version of Chris Letang. And you know, I, I agree with you that, in that I've seen it more of these playoffs than I have for a lot of the regular season coming down the stretch. I thought he's been fine. I think you'd have better luck trying to get information out of the pentagon right now than you would any playoff hockey team but do you have any idea what's going on with malkin um lower body i know that doesn't help lower body anyway uh, i saw him walking around in the dressing room with silly afterwards he didn't look noticeably affected no limp uh, no limp tell me there was a limp no no i didn't see a limp yeah yeah <laughs> No, you're going to take that and say that. Oh, that means he's playing game one in the, the semifinals. I don't. Well, you that. just said it. Now we'll just cut the we'll cut the sound. There you go. It's perfect. <laughs> you do what you want, man. It's your show. But um, it is funny just how secretive they are. I mean, it's not you know anything new or whatever. But I'll say this, Adam. I don't think this is the type of thing that's going to keep him out for a long, long time. Um, I do think it's a little bit too difficult for him to play with in game six, obviously, and they chose not to do it. Um, you know, maybe if that was an elimination game, they do it. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of managing it, and this rest will be good for Malkin here this next week. Obviously, Patrick Hornquist comes back to the lineup, and 
he had a ghastly, I love using that word, turnover on uh, right after a power play that led to the Lawton goal that made it 4-2. to two. But he responded after that, and I thought that he provided exactly what Patrick Hornquist is always going to provide. He looked 100% to me. Oh, he absolutely did. He absolutely did. Now, if we're going to describe injuries and like the severity of them, what Hornquist was dealing with was not nearly as severe as Malkin. I mean, he was, I truly believe that if the Penguins were facing elimination in game six versus trying to eliminate the Flyers, Hornquist would have played. Um, but he, he was good enough to go. They, I think they sat him out the previous games, honestly, just because they, you know, the series kind of felt like it was over. Um, but I thought he was really good. I thought he was exactly, you know, who he should be and how he should be and whatever he's in front of the net causing havoc and, you know what? I'm not breaking any news to you, Adam, but they're just such a different team when Hornquist is out there when he's in the lineup and, the, and on the power play in front of the net. Um, so it's good to see him back, good to have him back, but they need him. Yeah, no doubt about that. Last thing here for you, Jason. Columbus or Washington? Who do you think the Penguins should want to see? And if you've heard any whispers from them about who they're preferring to play? They don't care. They truly do not care. I think the only thing these guys will say is that they were glad they wrapped up Philly in six. They wish they would have done it in five just because they want a few days off, and I don't blame them. Um, and they want they're, – they're probably rooting for Columbus tonight, honestly. Like, it doesn't matter. They just want Columbus to force a game seven and have those two teams kill each other. But truly, when you look at the matchups, I don't think it makes a lot of difference. The only thing I would say it's probably better for the Penguins if they get the Columbus Blue Jackets simply because of Sergei Bobrovsky. I think, you know, in a playoff series, I, if, if you give me Braden Holtby or Sergei Bobrovsky and say, who do you think is going to be better, I'd probably take Holtby, not by a ton. The Penguins have had pretty good success against him, but Bobrovsky is just a hot mess yes. against them in the postseason. And if they're lucky enough to get him, I mean, my goodness, especially if the Blue Jackets, you know, they're going to be, that's the, that would be the first franchise win or first series win in franchise history. They're going to be on cloud nine, you know, and probably right for the picking, honestly. All right, I lied. There is one more question. Uh, you got a chance to speak with Jim Rutherford today. Uh, not so happy with the fans in Philadelphia chucking stuff on the ice, huh? No, no. Old Jim, uh, Jim doesn't hold back. Jim's a, a beauty, man. He's a beauty. I didn't talk to him all series, and I talked to him today for a 20 thoughts piece that I'll, I'll sort of yes. allude to, but it is uh, in the vein of goaltending, um, and it'll, it'll touch on Mr. Murray's uh, playoff demeanor, but in any case, um, yes, Jim was very good. We talked about that. We talked about um, his team's sort of resilience and bouncing back from from losses. And uh, you know, to tease the thing I have online right now, he is was not thrilled at people throwing beer cans, and he had one of the better quotes that I've heard this season. And I guess the people of Philly have more. What did he say? More money than brains. <laughs> they don't have a lot of either let's just be real here uh, jason really appreciate the time man uh thank you as always we'll look very much forward to the 20 thoughts tomorrow and uh thanks for being flexible like matt murray all right big boy i'll talk to you i'm big boy now you are big boy. i am jason Mackey of the pittsburgh post gazette okay. there's something in brian's mouth again oh twice <laughs> stop talking <laughs> <laughs> what? What? There, it's better. It's better. We're, we're late, and he's drinking. Uh, I don't know. What are you drinking? I got Budweiser here. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Budweiser is on special at the North Park Lounge. Yeah. I was going to say it sounds like you're drinking gravy. 
Well, yeah, that too. It's actually more vape and Budweiser together. Oh, okay. It's the lethal combination there. But, hey, at least we're here. Yeah, get out here to Cranberry because it is badass at the North Park Lounge, uh, especially at the uh, the outdoor bar that they have here where the wind's coming through. It feels like you're outside and you don't have to get attacked by bugs or look at people. So it's it's tremendous. Yeah, and we got a special here, 275 Bud Light, Budweiser drafts, cans, bottles, so... Come on out, get your drink on with us. Damn right. And you can register yourself for a chance to win a trip to Milwaukee to watch the Pirates lose to the Brewers. More on that coming up next, as well as our Flyers eulogy, which will be really awkward in front of a bunch of people at CSPN Pittsburgh. (laughs)